A reading from John O'Donohue's Beauty, Rediscovering the True Sources of Compassion, Serenity, and Hope. Beauty is quietly woven through our days. Beauty does not linger, it only visits. Yet beauty's visitation affects us and invites us into its rhythm. It calls us to feel, think, and act beautifully in the world, to create and live a life that awakens the beautiful. A life without delight is only half a life. Lest this be construed as a plea for decadence or a self-indulgence that is blind to the horrors of the world, we should remember that beauty does not restrict its visitations only to those whom fortune or circumstances favor. Indeed, it is often the whispers and glimpses of beauty which enable people to endure on desperate frontiers. Even, and perhaps especially, in the bleakest times, we can still discover and awaken beauty. These are precisely the times when we need it most. Nowhere else can we find the joy that beauty brings. Joy is not simply the fruit of circumstance. We can choose to be joyous, independent of what is happening around us. The joyful heart sees and reads the world with a sense of freedom and graciousness. Despite all the difficult turns on the road, it never loses sight of the world as a gift. Welcome to today's Heartlift. I'm Janelle, and I'm so happy to welcome back the beautiful, remarkable Rhonda Barney. We were so blessed to have Rhonda in part one, uh, and we were talking about her beautiful new book, Dear Susan, Letters of Comfort and Hope for Women Facing a Life-Changing Illness. And as we learned in our conversation, her words, the words that have poured out of uh, Rhonda's heart are really applicable to so many areas of struggle and pain and despair. I don't know about you, but the conversation, the words that Rhonda prayed and read over us and the words that were shared deeply affected me. I haven't stopped thinking about them all week. And Rhonda invited us to think about, to consider our relationship with our body. And how, how, we are, how are we doing with that? So I wonder, how are you doing with that? Did you stop and take some time to consider, to listen to your body, to see what it might be saying to you? I have, and it is speaking, and it has actually spoken quite loud this week. And so in part two today, we continue our conversation with Rhonda, and it is so good. And we are so blessed to have her presence here with us to help us frame the more difficult aspects of our life. And also, as she reminded us that no matter what is going on around us, just like the words of John O'Donohue, no matter how bleak, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult, we can still look for beauty in the simplest of things. And I think you'll hear that again in today's conversation. So let's welcome back Rhonda. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, 
we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. And I wish that I had known how to do that when mine were littles, but we're navigating that now in life when they're in their thirties. You know, what Mm -hmm. we always like to say is when we know better, we do better. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, so you shared, you felt like a burden. You thank you for sharing that you shifted from shaming yourself in that shaming language, which I think is such a huge critical piece of what we're bringing to the table today. How, how then Rhonda, did you make your way to this grounding process of journaling? Were Mm -hmm. you always a journaler? Were you always someone that put pen to paper to process your emotions or how'd you get there? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I fell into it because Um, I found that when I would pray, my mind was just everywhere. And (laughs) I, um, I knew that there was power in writing um, and that it could be very cathartic. And so I had decided literally in my college years before I was ever a therapist or anything that I would start to write my prayers. And so I I journal my prayers. I literally have years of journaled prayers and I was doing it so that I could literally focus. I keep saying here. I always write to dear God or dear Lord Jesus or dear father, dear father, whoever I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, Holy spirit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, um, and so that, yeah, it, every like when I, in the mornings or whenever I would journal and pray, you know, my, in fact, my journal is right here, right beside me right now. You know, it's just part, it's like an attendant, you know, attachment, but um, yeah. And so with these, with these particular letters, um, what had happened was I, I had been in a bookstore literally right after, um, another diagnosis, a head injury, actually, and that had been just incredibly debilitating for, for a really long time. And so, you know, I thought I'd gotten back on my feet and then wham, and here we go again. Yes. Here we go again. And I was angry, man. I was, I I was like, all right, when is enough enough? Enough enough. Oh my gosh. This is just, this isn't even serious. Right. Yeah. I remember following like, uh, uh, on, in a nor'easter behind my mom, my mom's ambulance and going, I oh, know you're not serious. Yes. This is a joke, right? Right. Yeah. God, this is, yeah. this is a joke. Yeah. Here we yeah. go again. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for this that. Can't be real. This, this can't, can't be, real. be real. Cause it doesn't feel real. It feels like you're gotten a really, really bad dream. Yes. yes. Okay. So during that time, I, um, I couldn't journal. I couldn't, I couldn't use my eyes. Um, I couldn't look right, left, up or down. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. Oh, I couldn't dear. look at screens. I couldn't drive. I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't watch TV. I mean, it was, I was literally, um, I couldn't tolerate any light. So I was in darkness for months and months and months. It's prophetic, so I would think. It was, hmm. it was very scary and very difficult. And um, with that, you know, God did bring, um, avenues of healing that were just miraculous. And one of the very first times that, well, the actual very first time I drove after this episode, 
um, or this diagnosis, um, I was standing in a Christian bookstore and I overheard a conversation and that conversation, the woman was really emotional. And so it just, mm. it, you know, it wasn't trying to eavesdrop or anything, but it no. just, it, so I licensed clinical social worker. That's what you do. I do the same. I'm like, stop listening, move away. You don't need to be involved or you do. Sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. Yes, completely. Absolutely. And so basically what I heard her say was my best friend is going in for a bone marrow transplant next week and she will be in isolation for 30 days. And I won't be able to go see her. No one can see her. And I just come out of my own isolation Mm -hmm. for months. And so she said, I want to send a book. And it just so happened I'd worked in a bone marrow transplant. Um, And so I knew the smells. I I could, as soon as she said that, I was like, I know exactly what this woman is getting ready to experience. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, my heart just, and she said, I want to send a book that would, since I can't go to comfort her, that would bring comfort and peace to Mm -hmm. her while Mm -hmm. she's going through this. And I remember the clerk looking at this woman and saying, I can't think of anything. And I, I thought I have just gone through my own experience experiences. And I, I thought, honestly, I, can't think of anything either. Like in that bookstore, I could think of parenting. I could think Mm -hmm. of Christian living, marriage, disciplines. I could Mm -hmm. think of, you know, all the things, but to speak to a woman who is fighting for her life, Mm I, um, yeah, I couldn't think of anything. And so I remember driving home and really being just angry, being upset. And Mm -hmm. I, I was talking out loud and I was just like, God, there should be a book, you know? And, and then I just felt like, yeah. I felt like God was like, so why don't you write it? That's and I, exactly right. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I don't well, because, because, not, because, because <laughs> yes, I had a list, a list of reasons of why it wasn't a good fit and or a good idea. And so I, it was one of those things. So that was the summer of 2017. And then I couldn't oh. get, I couldn't get that question out of my head. Um, why don't you write glad. it? So finally, the summer of 2018, I literally sat down in my backyard with my journal, my journal, and I, um, mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to start writing because I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, honestly on, there was a little sarcasm there too, like almost mm-hmm. like God, I'm going to do this to just kind of show you that I'm Let's just say how to, <laughs> that I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, how I, mean? unfit like, I am for this calling. Yes, I, I'm going to do it to show you that you got the wrong, you know, and I love so- the way you talk to God. Cause I talked to him the same <laughs> way. We are kindred. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So- and he's like, I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> I know, right. I'm ready to watch you unfold. Yes. So, so and he so was, good. he, he's so gracious. And I, I, know. I sat there and I thought, well, what would I say to this woman? And I guess as a therapist, I just wanted to walk in, like, I wanted to, I don't know. I wanted to acknowledge her emotional and spiritual pain. And Mm -hmm. so I, um, yeah. And as a sister in Christ, you know, not just a therapist, just as a friend. And so I, um, I just started with, and my goal was 30 letters or more because she was going to be in the transplant. Oh, what a beautiful framework. Right. And yeah. And so I and just, Susan, started. so did you just like, 
Well, that's that's a cool part of the story. All right, so- tell us. We're dying to know who Susan is because I I told I said to you before we began. I know I'm going to call you Susan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I haven't, so I'm very yes. proud of myself. Yes. So I um all of a sudden it took a form of a letter as I wrote, and it was you know, dear friend, today you feel like you're a burden to your family, or today you feel fear, or today, and so each letter is you know I've read the one, yeah. you know, sort of addresses kind of hopefully my desire was to unpack that emotion, whatever mm-hmm. it is, feeling all the things you had felt. Yes. Feeling forgotten. It was very cathartic, man. Yeah. There was, I, I have to tell you, Janelle, like every, every letter was bathed in tears because it yeah. was coming just from the depths of my heart. And so I, um, and so anyway, as I wrote, I finally was like, these are letters. I was like, God, if I'm going to write a letter, I need a name. And so the <laughs> name Susan just kept coming to me. Oh my so goodness. I was like, okay. So I just started writing dear Susan. In fact, my family would laugh at me. I was like, I'm going to go in the back star- backyard and write to Susan. You know, like they were just like, okay, mom. All right. Go write to Susan, whoever that is. But you know? I love it because, you know, I, I think you would might know of narrative therapy. And so you do build an alter ego or you do create Mm -hmm. uh, someone to to make as a character. So I love it. It's very, very, very cathartic. It's a very strong tool in in healing. I love it. So Susan. Yes. Um, And so, yeah. So as I'm writing these letters to Susan, um, I completed that, you know, pretty much completed them. And that was then by the end of the summer of 2018. And I had thought many times about self-publishing or traditionally, like I had thought about publishing, Mm -hmm. but it, it, just hadn't, nothing seemed right. And then finally during the pandemic, right as the world was shutting down, literally, um, it was May, the end of May, beginning of June. And a dear friend of mine, um, she texted me and she said, I am going to stay in quarantine because a dear friend from college was just sent home on hospice with a stage four diagnosis. And she's going to be isolated and only her husband is with her. And I want to be someone that can go in and relieve her husband and without them worrying about beautiful, beautiful friendship. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I just said to her, I was like that you have no idea the gift that you are giving her. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing more, you know, it's just that you just want to be with her. And right. And so basically then I just said, I would love to pray for your friend. And I, and she said, Okay, her name is Susan. Oh gosh. I know when I read that, I was just like, I gotta be kidding me. Yes, I, I have chills never, everywhere. Yeah, I, I will never yeah, I will never forget where I was standing. I literally was texting and I almost dropped my phone. Like it I was will, just yes. this moment of what a God breathed moment. A you know, what do they call them? God wings, just a oh prophetic unfolding. That's just the way I, I I, I, that was one of my questions. What on earth happened to you when you, when you heard her name? Okay. Oh, so please tell me you rushed to get that published. <laughs> well, I, I, what I did was I told my friend, I said, I have this whole journal full of letters. And I said, they're to Susan. However, oh. you know, I, I was like, I would never pretend or presume to know what your right. friend is experiencing. I've never, I mean, I've never been on hospice. I've never mm-hmm. been home sent home with the stage four diagnosis. Like I, right. I can't even like, I wouldn't even presume, but right. if 
There is mm. something in these letters. I'm more than willing to share them, but honestly, they felt inadequate. Like I'm sure. I just, mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's very friend, humble posture that that uh, has to be hard earned from your own crucible, mm. Rhonda. That kind of humility, uh, I think, is that that which is born of a crucible and a brokenness. I don't think you can get that any other way. So I just, mm. I appreciate you continuing your, your perseverance in your own struggle, but then to put that down on paper and then to have that kind of stance that, you know, if this could help her, oh boy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think with suffering, you know, there's this mm-hmm. sense of, I don't know. There's a sense of that. It's so private and personal Yes, it is so unique to the person Mm -hmm. who is experiencing and Mm -hmm. allowing them to have room to feel what they feel and not imposing on them what I've experienced or what I felt. And so, yeah, there was just, her letters became a safe space to me. They became a, a, from what I can hear, you know, I have not held them yet. I know I'm going to start going out back because it's getting springtime and start writing my own letters because you're encouraging me to do so. I think it's a great way to process um, your suffering. I think it's beautiful. So did you share it? Did she take them? Yes. So um, my friend mentioned it to Susan and Susan was like, I am supposed to read those letters. So one by one, I took them out of my journal. So she introduced us over email because obviously I couldn't go meet her. And one by one, I would take them out of my journal and edit them the best that I knew how, and I would send them to her. And oh my gosh, what it was a just, gift. It was just beautiful. And my friend um, and Susan and I, my friend's name is Autumn. So Autumn, Susan, and I stayed on the same email together. And it just became this literal sacred mm-hmm. space of, oh, I would goodness. send a letter and then Susan would respond saying, yes, you gave me language for what I, Mm. what I felt in this way, or thank you for, and yes, that was my experience too. And this is how I experienced it. So it was this, then there was the sharing of story and the sharing Mm -hmm. of, because there was a trustworthiness, even though within that, that beautiful uh, triangle, you know, that's a beautiful triangle. Yeah. It was Uh, sacred. It was very sacred. Yeah. I've never heard the birth of a book as powerful as this. Wow. Wow. It's like, it, it is, it's almost a Tuesdays with Maury, the last mm. lecture, that same profound organic. Yeah. Very organic. Very God breathed. Thank you for being obedient, Rhonda. My goodness. So did that, I, I'm thinking that might have developed into, so then how did this book become a book? I do want to. Yes. Yes. So um, this happened all summer. So okay. I would write the letters and she would, you know, respond. And, um, and then by the end of the summer, um, her condition was, was worsening. And she at one sometime at some point said, Rhonda, you have to publish these letters. She said, I was an ICU nurse and I've seen oh a lot of death and gosh. dying and nothing has prepared me for my journey like these letters. And Rhonda. she said, you have to publish them. And so I said, will you write my forward? Oh my gosh. I can't stop having chills. Oh my word. Oh my word. Yeah. So she 
she wrote the forward. It's beautiful. It's an, you know, it's the first thing that the reader will read and oh, I can't um, wait. And immediately you get to meet Susan and um, immediately you <sighs> get to hear her words. It's the first thing in the book. Um, and my goodness. Um, and then, yeah, so she then passed in November of 2020 mm. and um, knowing that this book would be published. Cause I've, I, started the publishing process okay. before, before she passed. Was and that a traditional journey for you? We do have a lot of um, aspiring authors and writers uh, in our audience as well. Was that traditional self-publishing yeah, hybrid? So, yeah, it was a hybrid. Um, okay. Where, Perfect. Yeah. So it was a hybrid. Um, and what, what I was able to do was um, basically get coaching as mm-hmm. I went Perfect. through the whole process. So it is, um, and then they, they took care of aspects of it. That, yes. Which is a dream. And some of the interior design and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, I've, of course I had a say in everything that happened. So it's still very much my book. Even what mm-hmm. I loved about that process was, um, even though there were editors, like I had the final. Yes. That's, that's to, a yeah. beautiful aspect of hybrid publishing for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so it is coming to us. Drum roll. So pre-orders are available. Yeah, pre-order um, now. Get your Kindle. Get it. Get it all. Pre- I, I pre-ordered the book and the Kindle, and I'm sure I'm going to order many more. I feel like I just want to drop them off at uh, rehab centers. You know, like my mom was in so many. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just. I can see this book just unfolding into uh, being such a, a ministry of help. So Rhonda, I do not want to go. I want to talk to you forever, but I would love to have you back sometime to continue our conversation. And I did ask you before we started, if you would read a beautiful uh, excerpt, if you would, in closing, um, and it's called Let's Dance. So that's kind of near and dear to my heart as a a dancer most of my life. Um, I would love to hear the words. Give us a little understanding of what's behind this particular letter to Susan. Okay. I, um, I had felt, you know, how we started our conversation today. I was always just waiting for it to get back to normal so that I could really live my life. I was holding my breath and I literally felt half dead. Um, like I, that I somehow my days didn't matter as much or that I was just partially alive. And, um, and so that's what this that's what this letter is, um, you know, steps into. And it says, dear Susan, you feel your life has stopped. It's as if someone pushed the pause button and your life has been suspended. You're in a holding pattern, waiting for things to get back to normal. You're waiting for the pain, the treatment, the symptoms to stop. And when all of this is over, you can get back to your real life and begin to thrive again. I remember thinking, once I get past this, I will be able to move beyond merely existing to again, start fully living. It was this, it was if I was holding my breath until it was over Mm. inside, my heart felt half dead as if I wasn't completely alive. I just wanted my real life back. Then one day I read a quote from Vivian Green that stopped me in my tracks. It completely shifted my perspective for which I'm so grateful. I bought a sign with the quote on it and made it my daily mantra. And the quote is, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. 
I repeated those words in my mind and asked myself, is it possible to dance in the middle of the storm? Is it possible to find joy in the midst of suffering? How would that change my life? I came to understand dancing didn't mean ignoring difficult emotions and only acknowledging the pleasant. No, dancing is the audacity to embrace the messiness and Mm. live it all, taste it all, feel it all, the joy, the pain, loss, and beauty. Both joy and sorrow are part of my real life, and I don't want to deny myself the opportunity to live my full story. Yes, living every messy drop of it is what it means to dance in the rain. I remember the day I made a conscious decision to not merely survive, but purposely live my full story. I realized I didn't have to think of my circumstances as a time to close my eyes and hold my breath. This was my real life. And although not what I would have chosen, I didn't want to miss it. These days were still my days, and I had a choice as to how I would participate in them. I might have felt half dead, but I had a beating heart. I was alive, and I could live as such. Looking back, I can see how those days quickly turned into months, and months became precious years. If I had not learned to dance, I would have missed out on priceless moments with my husband, growing children, extended family, and friends. I didn't dance perfectly, but I stopped waiting to dance. And as I breathed, I experienced the beauty of living with my heart fully alive. Oh, dear friend, I know there is a huge storm and the pain can cast a dark shadow coloring everything gray. But I encourage you to open your eyes and see the full spectrum in your life. The rain doesn't tell your full story. There are spectacular hues of red, yellow, blue, and green. Mm-hmm. Let yourself feel and experience the loss and the joy. It's all a part of the beauty of your life. Don't deny yourself your full story. Look up and see the full rainbow of color mm-hmm. with a heart of love for you, Rhonda. Just take a moment with that. Wow. So powerful. I think it links so incredibly to the one you read to us before, because what what I hear you leaving me and leaving us here in this heartlifting community with is that even if the whole, like you, you originally said your body, like even if your body's declining, your body's yeah. falling apart, whatever, your spirit, your soul, your mind, your your inside you can be at rest and the peace and calm. It's hard it's hard won, hard fought, I know. But that's what you're calling us and inviting us into. And mm-hmm. for that, I am so grateful. So grateful, Rhonda. And we do mm-hmm. want to connect with you. So if you I know that you have an incredible incredible uh, community. Would you tell us about it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I um, I think one of my biggest desires in this is for wom- women to feel heard and seen yeah. and understood and not to feel alone. And so I am starting a membership where women can come in and just be, be seen and heard and um, there will be, I've written an online course of just sort of my beautiful letters and it just sort of whittles it down to what are the five things. Oh. Um, 
and it's called the Beautiful Life Blueprint. And so, oh, um, oh that's so amazing! Yeah, <laughs> I yes. love that. Yeah. So members, and where can we will, get this? Where do we find it? Yes, I'm at it's at rondabarney.com, and right now there's a waiting list for the membership. And as a member, you get the online course. It's just part of my gift. And, or you can go on and purchase the online course just if you don't want to be a part of the membership. But I just okay. want to hold space. That's that's my hold space and give people monthly encouragement and videos and just continue I'm in. to provide I'm so in. the space. I guess I'm on the waiting list. Oh, sugar foot. <laughs> <laughs> that we would love to have you. That'd be Darn fantastic. It. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, I'll get Rhonda on the waiting Barney. list. I will pray at the right time. Yeah. Rhonda Barney. It'll be in the show notes for sure. And it's Rhonda without an H, R-O-N-D-A, just to make mm-hmm. it difficult and B-A-R-N-E-Y.com. And I will make that available to everyone. And is it called Doors of Hope? Is that your community or is, is that in a transition? Yes. Um, I have had a, a community called A Dose of Hope. A and Dose it's just, of Hope. Got it's just it. a free community that people can okay. can come in. And um, and I just post from time Perfect. to time, just encouraging things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so thankful. So hopefully we will talk, to, talk with you again. And yes. until then, our prayers are with you because I have no doubt that that is going to be one very much requested membership. <laughs> So thank you again. So oh, much. thank you so much for having me today. This is just, it's been a heart lift for me. So thank Aww. you for letting me share. Oh, our joy. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. <laughs>